In the name of the true and living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. In today's gospel reading, we find ourselves has, has been the case these last few Sundays in Jerusalem during Jesus's last visit, the visit that will result in his being put to death. He entered the city, remember, on that first Palm Sunday on a donkey with his followers greeting him with their coats laid on the ground as a sign that he was king of kings and worthy of praise with shouts of Hosanna, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. The whole city, we learn in Matthew's gospel, was in turmoil. Everyone wondering who this might be. He enters the holiest site, the temple, and he rearranges the furniture as if it's his own place. That's when he turned the tables over. The outcasts come to him and they're healed. They're restored to the community of the temple. And the leaders begin to confront Jesus with questions. He responds with parables. We've heard three of them in the last three weeks in church, a father with two sons, a landowner who planted a vineyard, a king who gave a wedding banquet for his son. Not only does he seem to have a different kind of authority, the leaders recognize that Jesus in the form of parables is talking about them. It was pretty obvious actually, but well done leaders. They realize he's talking about us, about the ways in which the leaders were self-serving. So they want him arrested. They want him out of the way, but they fear the crowds. So that's where we find ourselves this morning. They want him arrested. They see their power slipping away. So they come up with a trap. That's the Greek word used to trap Jesus. Like, you know, a hunter traps some kind of animal. I'm not a hunter, but that's what I understand you might do. Or the way that a mouse trap catches a mouse. I know about that. <laughs> So they want to trap Jesus. And the Pharisees, they team up with the Herodians, which is remarkable because the Pharisees and the Herodians, they don't like each other. They have different ideas, one of them being about the tax. The Herodians thought that the tax paid to Rome, that was okay because the Roman authority legitimized the Herodians' way of being. The Pharisees, on the other hand, they were opposed to this tax from this new empire that had just taken over in the year 6 AD. They were opposed. But these leaders, the Herodians and the Pharisees, they're clearly concerned about their power, so they uh, come up with this kind of bipartisan allegiance, which is a, a miracle, as we know. It was then, it still is today. Something uh, draws them together, namely to trap Jesus. So they come to him with words of praise, with words of Machiavellian flattery. But Jesus knows who he's dealing with and he calls it as he sees it, hypocrites. They aren't concerned about the tax. 
They aren't concerned about the ways of God. They only care about their sphere of power, not the people in their care, just their power. And they want to stop this kingdom of heaven movement so that they can carry on in control. So do we pay the Roman emperor or not? That's the trap. And since the Romans took over control, this tax had to be paid in Roman coinage. So men, women, and slaves between the ages of 12 to 65 had to pay a denarius, a full day's pay for a laborer. So Jesus says, bring me a coin. Bring me a coin. Whose head is this? And whose title? Whose image? The denarius coin bore the image of the emperor Tiberius with this inscription, Tiberius Caesar Divi Augusti Filius Augustus Pontifex Maximus. You all know what that means, right? In case you forgot your Latin, Tiberius Caesar, August son of the divine Augustus high priest. Jesus says, give to Caesar the things that are Caesar's. The money has his image on it, give it to him. But anything that has God's image on it, anything that has God's image on it, give it to God. Now, Jesus was a Jew, lest we forget. He knew his scriptures, the Torah, that first book of the Bible, Genesis. Who is it that has God's image? It's us. Jesus knew who he was talking to. Anything with God's image on it, give it to God. That turns out to be us. Give yourself to God. Give your whole self to God is how Jesus responds. So friends, we gather, we've gathered this morning in this place to offer ourselves to the God-made flesh in Jesus to give ourselves back to him. We offer our souls and our bodies, we'll say, at that altar. We come here to remember that we are made in the divine image and that we are called to serve God in all things, not some things, to serve God in Christ in all things and above all things. Jesus broadens out the scope. So friends, I don't have a tax policy to offer you this morning. I'm sorry, I know you all came to church wanting to hear what it was. I don't have a tax policy. I don't have a ready-made answer for every single church-state question. I don't have an easy solution for peace and justice in the Holy Land following the terror that Hamas unleashed on our Jewish brothers and sisters. But I do have the words of our Savior to offer. Give to God the things that are God's. And last time I checked, not only do we belong to God, but so does everyone else. And everything else. 
God is, after all, the creative source of everything that is. Give to God the things that are God's. And it's liberating for us to remember that all things belong to God. When we remember this, we can stop pretending that we are God, in case that's a temptation for some of us. Or we can find the courage to not submit to people or to things that claim to be God in our lives. There's so many idols, so many people and things and powers, principalities that stand in as Caesar Augustus in our lives. They have power over us and they make demands on our loyalty. But friends, we come here to remember that we serve one master, one king, one great high priest, one Lord, Jesus Christ, whom the kings of this world see as a threat and put him to death, knowing that his lordship knocks them out of first place. I'm reminded of our collects for peace in the prayer book, certainly words that we need to fervently pray these days. O oh God, the author of peace and lover of concord, to know you is eternal life and to serve you is perfect freedom. Jesus was a perfectly free human. Through his uninterrupted offering of his life to the Father. So we look to him to see that which we call Trinity translated into human form. And in him, we see the peace of God, which passes all understanding, brought to life. And the saints that we revere in the church, our heroes, these friends of Jesus, are people who are not perfect, but who were free in their obedience to serve Jesus in all things and above all things with gladness and with singleness of heart. So this morning, let it be our prayer as we make our way to this altar that we become free like this, free, at peace with God so that we can work for peace with each other so that we receive the grace to press on for the kingdom of God, that kingdom that has broken into this world in the person of Jesus, so that we can give to God the things that are God's, which turns out to be everything, everyone, everywhere. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.